If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. We are the brothers, both DMs and players. I am the one with practiced steady hand from doodling and painting, Travis. And I'm the one that learned to palm a card and prep for this episode, Jordan. He really did. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. Mystify your friends with a flick of the wrist and some magical mutterings (laughs) for incredible games. (laughs) I didn't even get good at the hand palm, though. It was really awkward when I performed it, too, because... Yeah, Nobody can... knew what I was doing. When you don't introduce <laughs> that you're doing a magic trick, you just look like a real weirdo. You you would all be impressed because Jordan, of course, you can't see him, but he is pantomiming some very magical moves. It's He's re- got it down. It's really impressive. I even dressed up for this episode. <laughs> I've got a tuxedo and a red bow tie. In case none of this makes any goddamn sense... <laughs> This episode, we're talking about prestidigitation, which is that often underused cantrip that is so, so useful. Yeah, it's a really fun spell for specifically role-playing because it doesn't have a lot of combat usage. It doesn't have a lot, I say. Watch my words. Because <laughs> it has some if you get creative enough. And it's part of the bard spell list, sorcerer, warlock, and wizard. So and even some subclasses get prestidigitation yeah if you get into fighter there's a subclass that gives them some spells and rogue as well yeah arcane trickster so you got no excuse to not have this in your basically everyone has prestidigitation yeah there's there's very few people that do not have access to this spell but it is so valuable and adds a ton of flavor to whatever you're doing if you know what it's useful for and that's the initial problem with prestidigitation is that there's so many rules to the actual spell itself that it often just, I think, gets kind of lost in translation. It's a lot to remember, so it's hard to kind of pull that out in the middle of, of a game to be like, okay, I know exactly what I'm going to use this for. We'll give you some good stuff. So we're going to do that by getting into our segments. The first one we're going to do is Archives of the Ancients, which will talk about the mechanics of the spell and some ways to use it. And then we're going to hop into the first time you've heard this segment. Kinship Camp, which is about role-playing within the confines of a specific spell or situation. And finally, Timora's Tavern, which we play a game of wacky scenarios. (laughs) And see the return of a couple of characters that you may or may not have missed. (laughs) If you've listened to this podcast before. If not, I apologize for everything. All right, let's jump into Archives of the Ancients. This is the Archives of the Ancients, where knowledge is unearthed to add wild insights to our world. So when I think of prestidigitation, I think anything a street magician could do, but real. So the coin behind the ear trick, the hardest part is learning how to like be fancy with your fingers and hide that. But prestidigitation allows you to pretty much not do that. You can just establish that there is now a coin in your hand because you've cast a spell so all right take us through the spell okay 
So the word itself is wild and wacky, and I pronounced it wrong for a long time. So once again, it's prestidigitation. So presti is French for nimble, digitus is Latin for finger, and Asian is English, and it denotes action. So you get a fun little translation of nimble finger action. As you wingle your fat digitus. I can't help it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a cantrip, which means you can cast it as many times as you want. It takes an action to cast. It's got a range of 10 feet, and it's got two components to it. Verbal and somatic. Verbal, of course, being the verbal component of casting a spell and somatic being a hand action of some kind. There's this idea that a verbal component has to be like some kind of magic incantation, but uh, it actually says right in the 5e rulebook, in the core rulebook, it says that you can simply mutter. So it's not necessarily the words that make the magic, but it is in fact the tone the tone or the and inflection. the intonation and the inflection but to say that you could wiggle your fingers in just such a way and mutter a incantation you could cast prestidigitation by doing so that's handy very handy we'll get into that more i think so in the book it talks about it being a minor magical trick that novice spellcasters use for practice so you can create one of the following magical effects every time you cast it The first effect, you create an instantaneous, harmless sensory effect, such as a shower of sparks, a puff of wind, faint musical notes, or an odd odor. You can do a ton of stuff with that. Yeah, basically just messing with any kind of minor sense. Well, start with sight. Well, just there's no limit. You could do a demonic face, a playing card out of your hand. You could do comic book bams and pows. (laughs) That'd be good. Old... Adam West Batman, <laughs> like, socko! Everyone wants to play a dark Whap. Batman character, but I want to play the Adam West <laughs> Batman character. Everyone's making the Edgelord rogues like, I'm yeah. Batman. And yeah, you want to be the uh, <laughs> holy guacamole Batman. <laughs> you could do sound. You could do angry whispers, clapping, R2-D2 beeps and boops. <laughs> if that exists in your world. Sounds can't not exist, Travis. Yeah, but nobody knows what R2-D2 is. That's true. Clanking of a key ring coming down a hallway. Yeah, that's a good throw them off the track. Yeah. Uh, Crackling of fire, like the sound. If you were trying to trick someone that there was maybe a fire in a room. Yeah, and then you could cast it again and do the sight of... A touch of smoke, yeah. Then, of course, you got smells. Yeah. I don't know, unless it's been established that like some monster creates a an actual odor when it's nearby like you could probably use that kind of stuff or yeah like i think if there's enough richness in the storytelling like if you establish an enemy that has this kind of uh mannerism like he always smokes the same kind of tobacco that's great i think that's great for villains yeah and like scary kind of stuff because i remember this horror horror story i heard that yeah, it was always the smell that they would smell first, and that's Ooh. terrifying. Yeah, and it's just like, where are they? Yeah. They're coming for you. So that could be powerful. Uh, What else? Taste? You could make an enemy's drink spicy for a moment. <laughs> you could make a child's broccoli sweet. 
Sure. <laughs> Lots of role-playing options there. <laughs> you could distress a merchant by filling their mouth with the feeling of a, licking a horse's leg. <laughs> if that's your thing. That's... Make him give you them deals or I'll keep that up. It, that's excruciatingly specific. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. It's weird because I've never tasted it, but you know what it tastes like. No. A horse's leg? You can't picture a horse's leg taste? No, I can't. <laughs> that's fucking nuts you could uh you could sell surplus gruel for months just like the cheapest most garbage food (laughs) out of like a little food truck and then just keep making it taste delicious all it's got to do is make it down the throat true you just you're just the worst cook ever yeah you're just throwing whatever god-awful cook it looks a lot worse than it tastes folks come on down to Gromit's Gruel Shack. <laughs> You're just going from back door to back door, picking up trash, basically, filling the pot. <laughs> Food scraps. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Boil it down. Boil it down <laughs> and then use prestidigitation to make it taste like honey and apples. Honey, honey and apples. <laughs> uh, then you've got touch. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about like distracting people. There is nobody that I know that can keep it together if they can feel a spider like crawling up their neck. Whew. I bet people just got the same feeling listening to this that I did. Oh, yeah. I just felt that shiver. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, with those three active spell effects, you could do the sound of a bee, the feeling of a bee, and then the landing that telltale like bug leg up yeah, the neck. just that. And I don't care what prison guard is standing outside your character's prison that you're trying to distract for a moment, that's a surefire way. Nobody can can keep their shit together. Yeah, yeah no matter how tough they are. Because I remember my whole football team jumping off of the bench when one bee flew by. <laughs> it was the weirdest experience. What kind of football team did you play for? <laughs> All right, so going away from our insanity and back to the rules as written in the book, the second effect is you instantaneously light or snuff out a candle, a torch, or a small campfire. Easy peasy. This is kind of used as really cool dramatic effect for the snuffing out of the nearby torch and darkening a hallway yeah. or lighting, and that's pretty badass. Yeah. You want to impress somebody? Light their smoke with a, a flick. And just you're the survivalist in the woods when you're making the campfire come on. Or you're just lighting shit up all over a town. And no doubt. Burn down a, a whole town. You're a total psycho. You got a little <laughs> pyromania in you. Could you light a bowstring on fire? I don't see why not, except that it's not really ready to be lit like a candle or a torch would be. Yeah. So it might take, you know, five attempts. Yeah. Which is a waste of five turns. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There might be better ways of getting rid of that bowstring. (laughs) So that one's pretty simple. But back to the book, you have the third effect, which is you instantaneously clean or soil an object no larger than one cubic foot. That's actually pretty generous as far as like size goes. Yeah. Like one cubic foot is, you could pack a lot in there. Like you pack could, a lot of dirt. Well, I mean, I'm thinking laundry. Laundry's gone because all you do is just put your clothes in a small pile and yeah. one casting of prestidigitation. Your bedroll, <laughs> no ticks in your bedroll for you. You just pile it all into a place and. I wish I would have known this before you made us role play all the, all the laundry. 
there's a lot of a lot of riveting games going on where it's laundry day for the adventurers. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you could use it all over the place with roleplay being a super tidy person. Yeah, always cleaning places up that you travel to and just making gross places because we always go through gross places in D and D. Yeah, so the next time your DM says through the uh, dirt and grime of the ages, you can't make out the words. Press the digitation. Done. Done deal. Take that, you schemer. Back to the book. The fourth effect. You chill, warm, or flavor up to one cubic foot of non-living material for one hour. I think they were going for food on this one, but you could make anything flavorful like gum would be. You could just pick up rocks and suck on them. Uh -huh. <laughs> What? I'm not. That's a great idea. <laughs> I suppose. For one hour, you could sell them. <laughs> Come suck on this flavor rock. <laughs> of course, that's the flavor, but you could chill the air in front of somebody's face for a ghostly feel. You mm. could warm somebody's clothes when you're traveling through a wintry wasteland. That I can get behind. Yeah. Staying alive in the Arctic yeah. is cantrip, prestidigitation, last one hour. You just keep casting that. And you can on... do it three times for three of your party members? Totally. Yeah. yeah. You got a couple of party members, prestidigitation, you can survive the Arctic. Or, of course, going back to that flavor rock idea, you could uh, flavor dirt, like meat. You're really, obs <laughs> You're really <laughs> obsessed with just flavoring shit you find on the ground huh? yeah it's magic why but why are you putting these in your well, mouth okay but if you flavor dirt like meat then monsters will be lured to it and if you use okay. another one to make it smell like meat <laughs> then you've got a monster full of rocks and dirt and that's easy to fight all right i could see that yeah all right <laughs> at least gonna get sick he's at least gonna half his movement speed when he's full yeah. of 10 pounds of rocks. Have fun with that one, DMs. <laughs> Going back to the list, we've got our fifth official effect, which is you make a color, a small mark, or a symbol appear on an object or surface for one hour. Okay, so you could you could definitely use this for like marking places that you've been. Yeah, that's a good call. Yeah. Kind of finding your way out of a maze-like scenario. Sure. Passing information to throughout your spy network. Yeah, if you had a pre-established series of symbols, yeah, that'd be pretty easy. Yeah, if you had a, a location that you of? looked for every time, like you were just passing it in an alley, and you looked for that one spot to see if there was a mark there. And if there was, then the deal's going down. Like there's a deal to go down in that alleyway? Yeah. What kind of a deal? Dagger exchange. <laughs> just trade daggers. <laughs> you could easily get a discount on damaged goods. At the marketplace. Oh, <laughs> you're going back to how to rip people off, huh? <laughs> yes, of course. I like how each one of these effects kind of leans toward a certain class. This is definitely a roguelike class. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't have to be. You could do nice things with it, but <laughs> we just go to the bad things. Ooh, yes. Uh, here's an idea for you. If you're chasing someone, you can mark your target with a bright bullseye. On an object or surface, you can make that symbol appear. Do you think that would work on a person? Well, they've got, I mean, if they have clothing on, theoretically. I or don't a see backpack why not. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Or a hat. And the final one? 
The final effect is you create a non-magical trinket or an illusory image that can fit into your hand, and that lasts until the end of your next turn. This one's huge. This one's so versatile. Yeah, you can cast pretty much whatever you want. You can conjure into reality for a a short moment. Because that's the thing about this one that a lot of people that we've talked to misunderstood is that part of it is that you can make an illusory image, but the other part of it is that it can be a real thing. A physical object. And it lasts until the end of your next turn, which means it's in existence for roughly 12 seconds. Well, I think this could be really cool if you showed a visual of a target or an NPC. Oh, like a help me Obi-Wan kind of situation. Yeah. My only hope. Because it's an illusory image, you could cast the image of a person. Yeah. Doing something. Cool thing about that is that it doesn't have to be real. You can lie about it. You can trick somebody. I think that would be a pretty good deception is showing them somebody saying something that they didn't really say. Totally. One of the interesting things about the words of this spell is that there's no spell save DC on these illusions, which most illusions have one so that people can tell if they're illusions. I wonder, is that because you think that it's so good because it's like concentrated magic in your palm? It's not like you're trying to cast an illusion of an entire cart, which is challenging to do, but this is so small and so concentrated... Why would anyone expect that that is, in fact, an illusion? Hmm. Well, the big point here is that you can cast any one of these six spell effects multiple times. You can have three active prestidigitation effects active at any one given time. That's endless combinations. Like, you can do so much with this spell. It's pretty wild. And I think that's why it gets so underused. Because the the world is your oyster when it comes to prestidigitation, if I can. So to that effect, we are providing a really cool little visual that hopefully will help with the effects of this spell so that you have it handy. Totally. Not every spell is going to need that, but this one, like we said, there's so much to it. So hopefully that helps. This is Kinship Camp, where rich histories and diverse quirks are explored between weary adventurers around the safety of the fire. Okay, so we haven't done this segment before, but this one is all about role-playing and exploring using different elements of the game to have more fun with our characters. And the idea is that we're just going to take a deep dive and only look at this from a role-playing aspect. Like, how could you use prestidigitation more to enhance role-playing? So as far as what's needed, again, there's the verbal and the somatic components. Let's talk about that verbal component. Well, you did talk about the fact that you can just mutter and keep it real subtle. But uh, I also went ahead and prepared some translations based on our spellcasting episode. As you do. Okay, give us a couple of your favorites. I think Elvin is a good one because that falls right into the realm of D&D. So for that, we've got Breg Lebed Glenhi. Wow. And that translates to quick finger, go now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just very eloquent. Quick finger, go now. (laughs) It's eloquent as an elf. Yeah. And then I think my all-time favorite, because Ewok Hughes is just 
so good when it comes to spellcasting. <laughs> is Greg Trick Ichiwama. Okay, Ichiwama is definitely from, <laughs> I recognize that. Wicked said that. Yeah. And the full translation is, hands go wow. <laughs> so that was him saying wow in the movie, apparently. Ichiwama <laughs> is wow. Okay. Greg Trick Ichiwama. <laughs> That's a spell. That's good stuff. But if you normalized these words, if your character was to say these, any of these all the time, you could turn it into almost a nervous tick, and then people wouldn't know when you're actually casting the spell. Interesting. Well, and like we were saying, verbal components in the player's handbook don't specifically say that it has to be the word. It can be a variation of tone and inflection. So you could hum, you could do any one of those things as the verbal component to the spell. And yeah, you could just be a casual fan of humming or whistling or anything like that. So yeah, you could make this a part of your character that they're always making this noise. Sometimes you're just making it for the fun of it. Other times you're casting prestidigitation while you're at it. Yeah, I really like that. So what's an example of one of these sounds? Well, it could be... Hell, it could be a throat clear. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. It could be an... Um... <laughs> it could be a laugh. We're not going to keep doing this all an day. Evil laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds, yeah, we but... could just make sounds. <laughs> you get it. So let's get into the different classes that cast the spell. Wizard is the most classic spellcaster, of course. Sure. So what could you add to your character as a wizard? To make them more fun to roleplay. You could take it to another level where you are actually showing like attack plans. Science fiction shows always have this like table that shows this really cool 3D model or something like that being projected onto it. Yeah. And you're trying to do the plan. You could do that in the palm of your hand. A little mini version. Yeah, for sure. You go up to this tower over here and then you come down the back of the, the castle and... Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. You're the smartest person in the party. As a wizard, you've been incredibly studied. You're a strategist. You're, You're into a the plans. Totally. Yeah, for sure. You could always be creating car charcoal for etchings and writings in their book or on surfaces. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you don't necessarily need a pen. You just use the create a small non magical trinket yeah. as charcoal. And get the impressions off of the top of that uh, weird chest. Unless, of course, your DM would rule that that disappears too. <laughs> but Damn. <laughs> could, could float it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, what about a warlock? They're always connected to their patron. Usually that's a pretty creepy aspect to the character. Totally. You could make your eyes smoke. Would that be creepy or weird? I would say it'd be creepy if your fucking eyes just started smoking and they were like glowing even. That's true. I, I What about smoke around the eyes and the eyes glowing in it? Because smoking eyes almost reminds me of like a Popeye smoking ears scenario. <laughs> <laughs> Other ways to make your patron connection more intimidating to people, you could do like a voice that comes from the ether. Oh, just like whispers. It's It's got to be quick. So it's just like a whisper or a... What about just enhancing your spell casting when you are connecting to your patron by casting 
small runes on the palms of your hands and thrusting them skyward when you are communing with your warlock patron. That's a pretty cool move to pull out. You're going to mess up the rest of your party (laughs) when they're like, holy (laughs) shit, that person is like, they're into it. But it'll spell out that connection, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like it. What about sorcerer? This is the perfect spell for a wild magic sorcerer. How so? Because you can just enhance the unpredictability of your spells. There's always a little mishap. Well, there's always big mishaps when it comes to the wild magic sorcerer. They've got those that table of effects that can happen when they cast spells. But this lets you create small mishaps that come from daily actions. What if you were under the impression as an enemy that your combatant is out of spells? Like if it's just known that there's spell slots, Fair and that's like a... There's a limit to your power. There's as a, a limit to your power. Yeah. So the whole casting a shower of sparks, you go and in order to really fake out the bad, the big bad, <laughs> you're like, you're doing all of the big gestures like you're trying to cast the biggest seventh level spell you can possibly muster. Smokes and sparks. And, and then you just do a little puff of smoke and a little shower of sparks. And they're like, oh, the sorcerer is dry. <laughs> You're saying set yourself up for <laughs> No, you're you're faking them out. Okay. You've still got uh, another fourth level spell in the bag, and you're gonna nuke them as soon as they let the, let their guard down. Oh, false sense of security. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, that's good. And then we've got the trickster rogue. So that's the rogue subclass where you can be an arcane trickster. Absolutely. This I think I mean there's no limit to the number of cool things that you could do. It's gold for them, yeah. So the one that jumps out to me is trinkets and things. You could fake people out with jewels that aren't really there. You could like reach into your bag and be like, oh, all of this money that I have or all of these jewels that I pilfered and show a ruby and then just put it back in your pocket and nobody would be the wiser. They would have to assume that that bag is full of rubies. Yeah, true enough. Or if you're trying to steal from somebody, you could make their little coin purse appear on the ground in front of them use that as a distraction for when you steal their actual coin purse totally what about when you're sneaking into a mark's house and you need something to just prop the window open just for a second could you create a tack just to block the window open as you slide it open to creep in you need something to just hold that window open while you creep through it you just press to digitate a small tack push it in there. The window's now open for 12 seconds and you can just take your time crawling in that window. I don't know if you've ever crawled in a window, but it takes me longer than 12 seconds. <laughs> as I flop my meat up on whatever's on the other side. <laughs> okay, well, neither one of us are trickster rogues, yeah, so. That's true. Then you've got the fighter subclass called Eldritch Knight, and they get access to this spell as well. And this is a more disciplined fighter than the rest. They're physical. Yeah, so how would you use prestidigitation in a kind of a fighter context? Well, in their prep and planning, you could do a sharpening stone that lasts for 12 seconds as they hone their blade's edge. If they were really meticulous about constantly keeping a perfect edge on their blade. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Again, more meticulousness. You could keep their armor in perfect cleanliness. Ooh. Yeah. You could make them 
pull up an object that belonged to a loved one as part of a tragic backstory or something. Ooh, to like remind them of why they're fighting. Yeah, and it's real to them as it lasts for 12 seconds. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. What about if they conjured the face of their enemies considering the motivations for fighting? If they reminded themselves by conjuring that illusory image of their enemy, really piss them off, get the ire up before battle. Ramp them up. I dig that. So that's all the stuff that's kind of more personally motivated as a character, but you can also help your party members a lot with this spell. Using this in a way that you could probably bolster party members' skill checks? Yeah, it's just a more flavorful way to use that help action. So using Prestidigitation, because it doesn't cost anything... Well, you could do that whole smoking eye thing if you uh, if you were trying to intimidate or something like that. Yeah, you can make your party member do it too. It doesn't all have to be cast on yourself. That's true. If you've got prestidigitation and I'm trying to persuade someone to help us fight. Ooh, I could conjure a platinum piece that I don't actually have and flip it towards the sword for hire. Do they catch it? Or do you just flip it to yourself? Because if it disappears... No, no, that's you, that's, you just lean into that. They catch it and you'd be like, there's more where that came from if you work with us. And then they watch it disappear and then they're motivated more so. Granted, it was an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe they'll be more pissed off. I yeah, don't know. they just can't be smart enough to know that. <laughs> I think you still get the point across. If they're, if they're serious, God, I'd love a platinum piece that was actually real. <laughs> Ooh, I want that real gold. (laughs) Um, And of course, there's a million ways to deceive with it. You could appear as almost any member of a secret or public organization as long as they had either badges or tattoos or patches. Interesting. Flash that. Good to go. Welcome. Create symbols on... Yeah, totally. Get into those secret hideouts. Well, I think that's more than enough ideas for one day. Let's go on over to Timora's Tavern. Welcome to Timora's Tavern, where absurd games of fortune and skill are played for the amusement of all. So in that last segment, we were talking about how you add prestidigitation to role-playing, but in this one... What if you have to use prestidigitation in the clutch of battle? So we've actually prepared some scenarios for each other to react to. Okay, so these characters are not fleshed out, so don't worry. But we're going to play some characters that we've touched on before. McJaster. McJaster's a human wizard of uh, the tight spandex short variety (laughs) with yellow stars on blue fabric. Yes, very ostentatiously dressed. And Mongrel is a half-orc dispute mediator and message delivery person who doesn't do the greatest of jobs. And I think that was kind of built into his character that he was kind of a flawed dispute mediator. (laughs) He wasn't great at what he does. Okay, so McJaster and Mongrel find themselves in the lavish meeting quarters of Queen Baroldus. In it, black silk drapes are festooned around the room. A large oaken table sits in the middle, and above it, 
hangs a black antler chandelier. At one end of the table sits a grizzled general of the local army, his white beard instilling an air of wisdom and skill. Standing behind him are four of his intimidating personal guard. His arms are crossed. He scowls at the other end of the long table where the simmering war matriarch of a band of local orcs sits with a few of her men. You know why they're here, to settle the harassment of the orc clans which has been hampering the war effort. So after many hours of argument, mediation has clearly failed. Both sides now press their ire at McJaster and Mongrel. Seize these two, they yell. They have used up all of their punchy spells and are limited to one prestidigitation. The door bursts open and in rush a half dozen guards in loose-fitting uniforms pushing to surround the culprits. They're brandishing royal swords at our heroes menacingly and one exclaims, Got you, you rat! <laughs> While shaking her sword vigorously, a triumphant wild-eyed grin on the face. Well, here's my turn. <laughs> Let's get <laughs> into right. this. Let's go. McJaster screams like he's been stabbed and clutches his chest. His shirt turns blood red and he yells, Assassin! Pointing to the crowd of diplomats. Ah, using prestidigitation to color his clothes. Heck yeah. Nice. Mongrel will back you up with that and say they ducked behind that curtain with the gust of wind behind the silk drapes. He grabs McJaster's coat and yanks him towards the door to head for the exit. And McJaster casts it again as a dagger is heard being sheathed from behind the curtain. Nice. Trying everyone's attention there absolutely <laughs> at this point, and we start backing away. <laughs> uh, Mongrel will snuff out whatever light source is right next to the door to cover our escape. All right, it's safe to say the heroes scramble into the hall, with the guards confused only for a brief moment by the ruse. It stretches in front of them to an open wooden doorway midway through the length of the well-appointed hallway, lined with fine pottery and massive full-body portraits of a long line of pompous folks. <laughs> McJaster slams the door behind them and runs for his life. All right. That's not using prestidigitation. That's just what he would do. Yeah, I guess. Oh, I got it. Mongrel conjures a doorstop under the door that McJaster slammed closed. And knowing, I think, that it only is going to last for 12 seconds, I think that 12 seconds is just what they need to get a full, well, you could get 90 feet ahead of your pursuers by simply using prestidigitation to conjure a doorstop. Yeah. They're running down the halls at a panicked pace now, around twists and turns, snaky corners when they finally reach the front double doors, pushing through to the outside world. The crocodile moat is the only thing standing between them and freedom now, and the only method of crossing in sight is a single child-sized canoe being beached <laughs> by a chipper urchin boy having a day. <laughs> I have a feeling that boy's day is about to get ruined. <laughs> Why? I don't know. You wouldn't write him in there if he wasn't... <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Stealing your idea from earlier, Mongrel picks up a beach rock and warms it and flavors it with the... No, the, the smell. The smell is unmistakable. It's like a sweet roll. Okay. To distract the child. 
<laughs> from what? I don't from his canoe. We're gonna steal the canoe, are we not? Yes. How do we get across this crocodile filled moat? Well, I think at this point, McJaster panics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and gets on his stomach because he doesn't want to do whatever You're we have to do. Giving up <laughs> <laughs> obeying the surrounding guards that have caught up to us. <laughs> All right. Well, that, <laughs> I guess that's our adventure. A logical DM mind is going to step in at some point here. <laughs> uh, did I just go to jail for throwing rocks at kids that smell like sweet rolls? <laughs> you threw it at him? Oh, I don't, near him. I, you, you can't convict me of that. That's one of the many. Show me the bruises. <laughs> that's how we'll get out of it. <laughs> we can't get charged with anything. <laughs> so we both knew that we were going to end up in jail at some point. As these characters. <laughs> so we asked Reddit, how would you get out of prison with prestidigitation and prestidigitation alone? And we actually got some really great responses back. Redditor Diracos said, act dead, then prestidigitate an awful smell of rotting corpse and instantly soil your clothes and yeah basically play dead gross yeah i think it would work yeah i mean mean, you might want to go with the smell being the soiling i'm just wondering does a corpse you don't get thrown out of jail for shitting your pants (laughs) you don't get thrown out of jail for you have to be a convincing corpse so you're gonna like soil your clothes and make them look like there's a body rotting in them oh and then give yourself the smell i thought the soiling was like Crap yourself. <laughs> Shake your pants. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> okay. But um, you're right, a corpse you're right. That wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't take you to jail for shitting your pants. <laughs> then we got a, a response from Argentum Re- Argentum Regio that says create a non-magical trinket that lasts until the end of your next turn, a key, the duplicate to the one on the guard's key ring, mm. and use it to unlock your cell within that spurt of time that you have. Cool. Create an instantaneous, harmless sensory effect. Make a shower of sparks and alternate with a faint musical note or clanking or an odor of metalwork in progress, all from the cell across the passage from yours. This is just a barrage-like confusion from the guard? Yeah, so then the guard theoretically goes up and takes a peek across from you when you got your cell door open and you extinguish the guard's personal and any nearby candles or torches, lump the guard on the head if possible, pushing him through the far cell door and closing it on the guard now prisoner. But regardless, making for the exit in the confusion and darkness. Pretty good exit. That would be pretty good. And I should note that the key might actually work because 5th edition has nothing to say about the strength of the actual trinkets that you create with prestidigitation. That's true. And metal. it's not just overlooked because... There were previous editions, like 3rd edition, had a specific clause in there that said that they were flimsy and brittle, Hmm. and they would break, so that you couldn't do stuff like that. So they intentionally made it stronger. Yeah. A lot of the exact same wording has persisted through every iteration of prestidigitation, but they excluded certain ones specifically around the strength of Hmm. the, the trinkets you make. So There you go you could actually make a key, or at least something that looked like a key. It might not work. 
Yeah, I mean, there might be some other check involved to see if it actually <laughs> is close enough to the key on the key ring, but... Yeah, you could try like an Arcana check or something like that if you rolled really well in an Arcana check for creating a, a magical key. Yeah, or Perception. Yeah, cool. so those are some pretty good options that are much better than my shit yourself. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, teach their own. When the going gets tough, <laughs> the tough shit themselves. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Redditors, who joined in on that. Yeah, we really appreciate that kind of interaction. Uh, when we throw weird crap onto Reddit and we actually get answers back, what a what a great feeling that people actually play along with our nonsense. <laughs> we've covered the spell itself and how to use it right. Then we've covered some ways to roleplay with it as different character classes. And we played through a weird scenario where our two <laughs> idiot characters are trying to make an escape using only prestidigitation. Maybe there's something helpful in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much uh, for listening to this episode. We really appreciate it. Definitely let us know what you thought and hop on to our many different places that you can find our stuff. Uh, you can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, Reddit all of the places. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for all of the sound effects that we get to use in this episode. Thanks to Tabletop Audio for all the sound effects that you hear in all of our segments. Definitely use them. They're freaking amazing. You can build all of your own custom sound boards, which I use in every single one of my games. And as per usual, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening and play, play great, great games. games. You can't help yourself, can you? <laughs> <laughs>